For years, I was so fed up with shampoo, I just stopped washing my hair. I quit completely. I was so sick of poofy, frizzy, limp hair, distorting my natural oils. Until a few months ago, I found Modern Mammals, and it changed everything. And by the way, right now you can visit modernmammals.com and use code LSS for 10% off. So check that out. So look, I heard about this through the podcast, and before I agreed to advertise, they sent it to me, and I was reluctant. But let me tell you, I should not have been. This stuff is absolutely magical. My hair felt better, smelled way better, and most importantly, looked better. And I know it will do the same for you as well. It doesn't have those hair-ruining chemicals like other products, and it doesn't leave any leftover residues. It works. Don't believe me? Go read their awesome reviews online as well. Go to ModernMammals.com and use code LSS for 10% off. Again, that's ModernMammals.com for 10% off with promo code LSS. Don't forget to use our promo code LSS so they know we sent you. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to a yet another episode of the podcast, my show, Lead Singer Syndrome. I am your host, just like every single episode, every single week that this has ever happened. I am Shane Told, and uh, yeah, I bring you the hot conversations between me and other lead singers about what it's like to be the front man or front woman of a band. Last week was a good one, huh? Yeah. Mr. Ryan Key, formerly of Yellow Card, that was a great episode. Um, He hasn't hit me back about starting the skate punk band um, yet. I'm not sure if it's going to happen. He's a busy guy. I'm, I'm a pretty busy guy too. But uh, I got to say, man, if we're looking for members for the Ryan Key, Shane Told, skate punk band, this guy, this week, the guest of this week's episode would be a really, really nice addition. And he might even take over bass duties because he's a bit of a baseman these days. Nick Diener. I think it's Diener, formerly of The Swellers, is on the show. This is a guy that I have felt, I don't know, like a real friendship, kinship, just like I felt really close to this guy for a long time. Um, We first met kind of back in the day. uh, We became very acquainted on a tour we did, the Take Action Tour, actually, back in 2011. So, you know, I've known this guy for quite a long time. I was a huge fan of the Swellers. I thought they were one of those bands that just, for some reason, never got as big as they should have, never got kind of the recognition that they should have, despite, you know, they got a lot of great tours. They were on a really good label. We talk about that in the show. So it was my pleasure this week to have Nick on, 
and pick his brain and talk about the old days and, of course, everything he's doing now as a record producer up in Flint, Michigan, and uh, his new band, Wounded Touch, which has some announcements. They're coming up in a little bit. So sit back and get ready for this episode. It is another good one, if I do say so myself. As always, I say this every week, and you guys don't disappoint. If you would like to get in touch with me, you can email me. You can hit me up on social media. You can, you know, whatever. There's a lot of ways. You can call the hate line. These are all things you can do. The email address, leadsingersyndrome at gmail.com. I read them all. I rate back to most of them. So, uh, yeah, I mean, pretty much every day I get some pretty cool emails. And uh, it's really actually nice to hear that you guys are actually listening to this. And I'm not just talking to myself uh, all up in here. So, yes, uh, send me an email. Add me to uh, Instagram. It's at Shane Told or at Lead Singer Syndrome. Twitter, at Shane Told as well. At Lead Singer Sin, S-Y-N. We're on Facebook. And if you want to, you can leave me a message on the Lead Singer Syndrome hate line. Call 1-657-666-666-HATE. That's five. No, that's not five. That's <laughs> 657-666-HATE. And yes, leave me a message. Let me have it if you think I'm doing a shitty job because I apparently don't remember my own phone number. Yes, uh, feel free to hit me up on there. I've been home now for a little while other than a few, you know, weekend emo nights and weekend festivals. I'm heading out on tour with my band Silverstein. We are going out with August Burns Red alongside Silent Planet. Garrett's my boy. Even though I don't think he likes the Raptors, he's still my boy. We will be out for like seven weeks this summer going all over America and Canada. Tickets on sale now. Just Google August Burns Red or Silverstein or something. They'll pop right up. We're definitely playing a city close to you if you live in the continental United States or continental Canadian provinces. That's not a thing anyone says. But we will be around, so check that out. And uh, yeah, my house is almost done renovating, so it's time to leave, right? That's, That's the way it does. You finish one thing and you can't even enjoy it. It's already on to the next. But I know this tour is going to be so sick, so much fun. ABR celebrating 10 years of their Constellations album. It's going to be a good time not to be missed. So definitely check it out. And Silverstein, we got some news coming. We got some news coming. Keep your ears, one or both, to the ground. Uh, Yeah, there's some stuff happening with that as well. And I'm I'm very, very excited about it. So um, we have this thing that I started. It's actually been almost, uh, what is it? 30 months? Yeah. 30 months since I started the lead singer syndrome, all access club. And we have over 300 members now. Um, I've become friends with many of them. Definitely. It's a really, really cool, you know, club and community we have. We talk about all kinds of things on the, the Facebook group that we have. And also we have all these bonus episodes that 
I do with non-lead singers. And now we're starting to do some bonus episodes between the members, actually. So it's really, really a cool thing we've started. And most importantly, it is what keeps this show going because without you know, the financial support of the people in this group, I don't think I'd be able to do this, especially not for this length of time. So for as little as $6 a month, you can sign up for the All Access Club. And for a little bit more, you can get more. And so on and so forth. So all I ask is you check it out. The link, leadsingersyndrome.com slash access. And uh, yeah, shout out to all my sinners worldwide. You know who you are, and I know who you are as well. Again, link, leadsingersyndrome.com slash access. Yeah, that's all. I think we should get into it. Here's my talk, my conversation with Nick, formerly of The Swellers. Yo. Yo, there he is. What's going on? Hey, man. Uh, not much, dude. I'm just, I'm just trying uh, to figure out how to make this happen. Like, uh, I have my earbuds in yeah. with, like, studio headphones over them and a microphone set up with Pro Tools running. Look at this. So, yeah. This I'm, is Pro. I, We're like, this is, like, real shit. You're going to sound good, I think. Dude, I hope so, man. What outboard? I was, can I talk to you about out, outboard gear? What do you got going on? You got through a distressor, oh, or uh, you got every every uh, preamp, every plug-in running? Dude, all in a sequence, just everything <laughs> plugged into the next thing as much yes. gain as possible. No, I got a I got a warm audio ten seventy three preamp, and uh, that's my SM seven going into oh, that. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. that's the podcast mic. You know? Yeah. Oh, I got and one. Then, uh, I got one. Oh hell yeah, dude. We're going to sound like we're in the yeah. same exact room, like a foot away from each other. I know. I know. Well, then, we're yeah, not, dude, I, I got not, the, I got the distressor going too. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Great, great signal chain. This is great. People need to know this shit. Yes. Um, I think I just, course, I, I just turned it up a little bit. I'm trying to see if I sound better or worse. Check, check, check. Yeah. All right, dude, I'm going to just, I'm going to roll with this. Yeah. I think yes, I like, you are. No, people need to know this stuff. And, uh, uh, yes. Um, well, you know, I'm gonna I'm the one mixing it, so I'm probably just gonna fuck it all up anyway. Oh dude, that's okay. I got like <laughs> this weird ground loop hum that I can't pinpoint. Uh there's all kinds of stuff. And I'm actually in my control room, which isn't fully uh, acoustically treated, so like I'm actually hearing a little bit of reverb and it's whatever, man. Wow. It, it'll sound cool. <laughs> well, you take this shit seriously, <laughs> and I love that about you. Uh, and oh, you know, thanks, man. You know, yes, we sound like we're only a foot apart, but we're really not that far apart in general. Uh, you know, with I my know. move out to Windsor, and you're just in Flint. Um, yeah how how is how have things been, man? Like, I guess I haven't really seen you around since the Swellers uh, broke up. I think it was was it Warp Tour 2013. So maybe the last yeah, time we, we were on tour together. 
Yeah, we did 2013, and then in 2014, we kind of announced that we were done, and then we played our last shows going into 2015. Exactly, yeah. So that was it, and that's really weird to think that 2013 was six years ago now. Like It is. I just, I can't believe that, but yeah, you've seen my brother around a little bit more than me. Like, I he does the whole uh He does the whole leave the house thing, so that's, uh, <laughs> he has a leg up there. Yeah, I've seen him a couple times at like shows in Detroit. You know, there's always like places you go. Like, like I went to see Propagandi, you know, downtown Detroit. And I'm like, oh, I yeah. know I'm going to see like at least 15 to 20 people I know. And the first person I walked in and saw was your brother. So <laughs> that's first awesome. person I was like, I know he'll be there. So, oh, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, man. Well, that's cool. Yeah, it is crazy that it's been it's been six years. Like I can still I can still picture you. Like I can picture me in the air conditioned bus looking out the window, seeing you in like hundred degree temperature lifting more weight than I've ever seen a man lift. That's oh, what man. I can picture the last time I, I, <laughs> I saw you and I can vividly picture it in my head. Dude, I, I kind of miss those days, man. Like I became a new dad and yeah. I've been kind of just, I fell off the wagon. I've been working 10 times more. Yeah. And then when I'm not working, I'm, you know, hanging out with the little guy and the family. Yeah. And uh, I got this great little gym set up in my new house. I moved into a new place out in the country like six months ago. And I just, I don't know, I, I feel like a normal person where it's like, how am I supposed to find the time to exercise? <laughs> so I'm just like, I'm doing the whole, like, I'm going to start Monday. I'm going to start next Monday. I'm going to start the Monday, you know, so uh I keep getting started and then I'll stop for like two weeks. So every time I do lift weights, I get so sore. Like yeah. there's no there's no getting used to it. Um, but yeah, I'm hoping I can get back into that because that was one thing that kept my mind right on tour was like, right. you know, just right. lifting weights in the parking lot or I would run off and find a gym somewhere because, uh, you know, spending too much time in close quarters with your band can be a little much. And yeah, then especially, you play a show. And, especially on tow. Oh my goodness, yeah, man. <laughs> I mean, he, he gravitated toward you guys, you know, the Canadians. He was like, exactly. these are my people. But then you guys were like, I don't know, man. Like, you're, <laughs> I don't think you should hang out on our bus tonight, dude. <laughs> no, I love Anto. You know, we're from like the same area. So I've known oh, him yeah. a very long time. Um, that's that's great, man. No, it seemed like for a while there, you know, you know, when the music, when the when the band broke up, and there was talks of you, you know, getting really into, you know, working out, bodybuilding. Um, there was even a talk of maybe some professional wrestling going on. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah and man. it seemed like you were going to go down that road. And now it seems like you've really found kind of your where you want to be just with, you know, the studio and recording and I guess also family life. Yeah. there. You know, there was a time if you typed in my name into Google like the autocomplete, it would say Nick Diener, WWE. Yeah. And I was like, whoa, that's that's kind of cool. But yeah, they used um, a little video clip of mine for that tough enough reality TV show. Like they, they had my tryout clip ah. play for like three seconds. Uh, so a lot of people thought I was going to be on that show. And then a lot of people heard that I had gone to wrestling school for a short time, which I did. Uh, ultimately, I decided it wasn't for me. Uh, I did about a month of it, and then the Swellers went on like a, I think it was a UK and European tour, and I was like, well, when I get back, I'll continue, and I kind of just couldn't find the fire and the drive to go back and spend four days in a row every week just getting slammed <laughs> into a mat or a turnbuckle 
or like some sweaty anime kid like breathing down my neck i was just like you know what (laughs) this was something you know it's a classic case of like all right i'm gonna be a fan i don't need to actually do it um that was kind of like my hopefully not my midlife crisis you know i was only like 26 or so but hopefully well you know, we that's call the wrestler it. wrestler midlife crisis maybe yeah see if i would yeah. have continued with that uh <laughs> with that uh path that would have been yeah i could have died at like 52 so i'm yeah. glad that i'm gonna i'm gonna make it into my hopefully 80s or 90s but uh yeah i just kind of i just got married at the time and i was like honey i'm going to wrestling school and she's like are you kidding hitting me <laughs> and then soon after that i was like cool no more wrestling school and then soon after that i said hey no more band and then we got dogs and then we got a house and then we got a baby uh but yeah um all throughout my touring career <laughs> and now uh doing the recording engineer production audio thing that's kind of just that was the one thing that stuck that stayed with me this whole time and kind of felt like home yeah. And uh yeah, it makes me happy I get to be involved in music like pretty much every day um even if I'm not out touring and stuff, which I don't know if my body's built for that anymore. It's just Right. I, I got too used to my own bed and everything, but yeah, I've been working on a lot of great records for other people. Absolutely. No, great. Well, there Okay, well that's it. Uh nice talking to you, dude. There's we just about covered it. Um, yeah, dude, I can see on my computer that was about two and a half minutes yep. of me talking straight. Yep. And uh, no, I love yep, that. That's I'll, all we need. <laughs> oh, no, no. Yeah, I'll, I'll just edit it. It'll be perfect. No, yeah, um, yeah, take out like every, all, all the times I said, um, and uh, or whatever. Oh, I I just don't bother anymore. The, the best one, <laughs> the best word is people want to make fun of someone being like, 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 so like, and everyone says it it doesn't even matter your age group anymore see i'm trying not to say it now which is just (laughs) gonna make me stumble over my words but everyone says that and i don't know it must be something that has crept into the way just people talk in general now because it doesn't matter if i talk to someone who is like 18 or like 45 they're still they still use that word like all the time I know it's it's the new comma, you know. It's yeah, just, uh, yeah. I, I think I say you know real oh, quick. Yeah. I, I have this quick, you know, blah 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 blah. You know, uh, and then you know, uh, I just said that. Yeah, uh, I think when I'm recording vocals, I hear a lot <laughs> of that stuff when I'm talking to somebody through the glass, like between takes. I notice all kinds of different transitions, and right. people have actually told me I should do a podcast that is all. I'm recording the whole time and I just take all the stuff in between takes <laughs> and then post it. And I'll ask them like questions like, Hey, what was the most painful memory of your childhood? They're like, what does that have to do with anything? You know? And then I'll just like put out the episode and yeah, but that's the problem though. You get a lot of really offensive stuff. Like <laughs> when people are frustrated in the vocal booth, like all bets are off. So sometimes oh, I put my, sometimes I have to put my headphones on. So like the band can't even hear them. They're sitting behind me, but <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a lot of fun. We keep it pretty PG in the Silverstein studio. We keep it very, you know, no foul language. Um, you know, just just those kind of rules, just to keep everybody, you know, really family oriented. Oh, that is so nice. I know. That's I know. you know that's that's good. If you can have like a a really nice way of dealing with your frustration, uh, I think the worst though, you know, I get some people like the band that was just in here, like they would scream 
like yell at the wall when they would mess up and I was like, oh, <laughs> like, please don't like blow up my microphones and stuff. But the worst is just like when you get the silence, if somebody messes up a take and I'm like, hey, yeah, cool. You want to take that again? And they're standing sideways looking at the back <laughs> wall, not saying a word. And I'm like, oh my goodness, like this is, I, I would rather have them say like, fuck you, dude. I mean, no, they're just not saying anything and they're just waiting for me to hit record. I'm like, oh Jesus. Maybe they're just in the zone, you know, like it's like they're so focused on the mistake they made. They don't want to say anything or do anything to take them out of that place oh, they yeah. need to go for the vocal performance, you know? Yeah, I think that is part of it. And then. The other thing is when they're like, all right, go, 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 do it again. All right, hit it, hit it. I got this. Right. And I'm like, hey, man, I got to get you like on a new playlist. I got to get you on a new track. <laughs> I got to press the. So um, sometimes I feel rushed or, you know, sometimes I just want to chat in between takes and I can tell they're looking at me like, it's not time to talk about your dogs right now, man. Like, <laughs> I'm in I like the zone. To, I like to chat too. I'm a big chatter, but usually it's the producer being like, all right, no more chat. We got to record this, you know, <laughs> take 25. All right, here we go. Can chat you can get later. Some good, yeah, you can get some good therapy out of that, you know? <laughs> yeah. T- tell them what the song's about. It's like, you know, well, this song's about like this thing my parents said to me when I was little. And the producer's like, uh-huh, okay, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sure, whatever. You just did this time in key. Thank you. <laughs> yep, absolutely. <laughs> I-, I remember, so funny, I remember this. I've never, I literally forgot this maybe because it was, it's like a repressed memory or something. When we were doing, when Silverstein, we were doing our first album, the producer one day hung up a bunch of porn on the glass uh, in the vocal booth just to, for. he said to motivate me. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it was like, this was not, this was pretty gross porn too. And to he, motivate and you. I don't know, I don't know, man. <laughs> Went in one day and he just stuck up a bunch of porn in the vocal booth. Um, and yeah, I it's like, did he just want you to like channel like that inner eighties rock star or something? Just be like, this could all be mine. Like, yeah. that's the only thing I could think of. <laughs> yeah. I, I think it was honestly, he always was talking about how my vocals were either like too clean or screaming. Like he wanted this, like a little bit of grit in there. And I, I mean, I guess I just didn't have, I just didn't know how to do that. I kind of maybe can now, but I didn't have that in me at age 21. Um, oh, right, yeah. So he thought, I guess, that the grit was going to come from pictures of barely legal <laughs> teens. <laughs> like uh, your balls would suddenly drop and you're like, I got this. Exactly. I'm going to sound like Chuck Reagan now. It's going to be awesome. Exactly. Well, the whiskey, maybe some whiskey would have helped, you know? Um, it could, man, yeah. But no, it was, uh, whatever. That's that. I can't believe I, I just remembered that after all these years. That's amazing. But, but yeah. yeah, now in the now in the vocal booth, it seems like kids just want to vape but I heard that it's bad for microphones. Oh, like yeah. Some, I saw somebody post a thing and they were like, don't vape around microphones, kids. And they were like recapsuling a really nice mic. And I was like, okay, that's a finally a good excuse I have to not let people vape in my studio. Because it's like, not only do I not want to smell like cotton candy, but I also want my mics to work. So, Well, it makes sense. I mean, I don't know really fuck all about vaping, to be honest with you. No, me neither. But I assume <laughs> it's it's like a, a water vapor that comes out so that yeah that would have to like go somewhere and maybe it would yeah. attach to the capsule of the mic like that makes sense and something's got to make it smell like cotton candy you know like there's right. got to be some little particles it's like when you fart it's like it's not just this invisible gas like there's some 
literal shit flying around so right. you have to be courteous where you point that thing well in, in no, fart, no farting in the vocal booth definitely oh you see i have like a nice big room so like and the person's usually by themselves so it's all good it usually dissipates by the time i get back in there but yeah here in the control room i, I gotta go get this upholstery cleaner from upstairs and like do it to my chair just because it's probably like five years of farts embedded in that thing and it's like every time I sit down, like sometimes I'll be like, yep, okay, yep, that's that's many, that's half a decade of my ass that I'm yeah. smelling. But then I get used to it and it's all good. Uh, when we were making a record with Mark Trombino, he would have his dog at the studio every day and that thing would fart all day long. It was, <laughs> it was, it was, it was not cool, man. It was like, oh. come on. Yep, Cinder, I got two dogs and they both long. fart. And yeah, I don't really Ugh. keep them in the control room no. with me just because no. it's like stereo farts, like when you have two of them. But <laughs> yeah, it's it's bad news. <laughs> dude. Uh, dude, it is really good catching up with you, man. Uh, I know, so, this is great. So let's let's uh, talk about, you know, you and, and everything. Um, if you don't mind going back to kind of the beginning, I love to start there. Um, first things first, I guess you're a Michigander. Uh, you were back then and you still are. Um, and one thing everybody kind of knows about you is that you and your brother, uh, Jono, John, Jono, whatever he goes by these days, um, you you guys grew up together, um, you know, with a love of punk rock. So how did that kind of happen? And what was your family structure like with your parents? And do you have other brothers and sisters? And, uh, if you could go back to the beginning and talk to me about that, I'd love to hear it. Yeah. All that kind of happened all at once. Um, I was 10 and Jonathan was nine and I really wanted to play guitar. And my dad was like, well, let's go to a music shop. You know, I had already been playing piano and keyboard and I was just kind of like, dad, I can't play no doubt songs on a piano. Like <laughs> I want to play, you know, spider webs on a guitar. Oh, what a riff like, though, right? <laughs> oh yeah, seriously. With I don't the little, think I ever the learned little, it. With a little pinch harmonic in there, right? That's yeah. Is that the, yeah, that's the riff, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's great. That record had some riffs. I don't think it was, it went down in history as a guitar record, but it really was like it had some great stuff. If it's not a guitar record, it's a bass record because the bass player no doubt is unbelievable. And a drum record and a vocal record. Like it's just that whole band is like kind of a powerhouse, man. It's like you got Van Halen and then you got no doubt. But yeah, I went to go get a guitar and, at that moment, my dad was just like, Jonathan, do you want a drum set? And then he was just like, yeah, I guess. And he, did, he had no passion. He did not care. Uh, he just got a drum set. And wow. we tried to jam together. And uh, a little while after that, I got into like ska and punk from a couple of my cousins. And then, you know, I was kind of dabbling here and there. Like I loved Goldfinger and Real Big Fish and Green Day and... uh I think Blink-182, but even back then, uh, this is kind of like the inner recording engineer in me with like that really sensitive ear. I just remember being like, you know, they're just hitting too many wrong notes when they sing. Like Dude Ranch, <laughs> like it just yeah. wasn't as, it wasn't as perfect as the Goldfinger record. And right. like I kind of had trouble. The drums were a little all over the place at times. And I was oh, like, you were, know what? Yeah. I'm going to, yeah, I'm like, I'm going to stick to a, I'm going to stick to this Goldfinger record. And then a couple years later, I think around a few years later, like, when the year 2000 hit, it was like that Mill and Colin record, Pennybridge Pioneers, yeah. Rancid 2000, Screeching Weasel, Teen Punks and Heat. There was like a, 
uh, no use for a name record had just come out and just all of this stuff hit all at once and then finally like i could see like the light in jonathan's eyes light up where he was just like okay now i love drums like i'm going to learn how to play all this and then from there we just started basically uh what our first band was going to be uh, we ended up moving we lived in grand rapids michigan we moved to like the flint area and a couple of years after that we started the swellers and that was 2002 right and you know we didn't know that that was going to be like our band so you were yeah because you were years. <laughs> you were only about 15 at that point right when you started yeah, the band and, and yeah john, john was uh 14, 14 i was 15 yeah and then we just kind of jammed and a couple of years later i was like well let's make an ep and then a year later we got to be on like a week of warp tour and then when 2006 rolled around uh that's when my brother was going to graduate high school so i was like well let's be a full-time touring band yeah and that and from that point for about eight nine years yeah we just stayed on the road yeah for nine years and we never took more than two months off in a row right um yeah i mean no one really ever told us to take a break and it was the only thing we knew how to do and it was the only thing we liked and we were terrified that if we stopped we'd be forgotten so <laughs> it was just like go 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 we'd make a record and we would just do a tour even though it wasn't really supporting anything it's like the tail end of an album cycle we're just like we just got to stay out yeah and yeah we got to do a lot of great stuff man like put out a bunch of records and saw yeah. the world and absolutely yeah doing doing it with my brother was super awesome it so was, with, it's it's cool very cool so with you know going back to you know the discovery of punk rock you know through some cousins i find that kind of interesting because you're a few years younger than me i think like you're like maybe six years younger than me or so and i feel mm-hmm. like i am like the, all the people younger than me generally speaking that it's kind of like that was the age when i don't want to say like that era of punk rock like skate punk or whatever you want to call it it became a lot less popular right so with people your age and then your brother's age who's even a year younger than you i'm surprised that it was you know you talk about like screeching weasel and mill and colin and no use for a name that it was those kind of bands that you really gravitated towards and not you know bands like uh, i don't know a tray oh, yeah, like, I mean, you or like you know right. taking back sunday or um you know that kind of stuff because that was really what was p- really popular um you know with people in your age group right right so and the reason that whole thing happened you know we loved like the punk punkorama cds and just like all like the fat comps and things yeah. like that yeah so at first you know we went out and found all those bands records it was like holy crap this song's awesome let's get the no use record like this song's awesome let's go get that Oscar record. You know, there was like <laughs> yeah. that whole thing. And then when we started the Swellers, we, you know, we, we loved those kind of early drive-through bands too. Um, there was like the starting line and RX bandits. Um, but yeah, the stuff that was, uh, we had that punk radar too. So like if you were on MTV, we were real skeptical. You know, we were like those young kids that were just like, flipping off mtv whenever it came on and like you know we had no idea why we just heard that that's what you do when you're punk like right because no because no effects because no effects would say fuck mtv stop playing us we've been fine all these years leave us the fuck alone yeah that was yeah probably went on the no effects website read it in an interview and (laughs) went like cool we hate this forever too awesome 
But then, you know, we started playing with other punk bands like in Flint. And we kind of labeled ourselves as like a pop punk emo band when we started. And these punks were just like, drop the emo, you wussies. Like, get right. over it. Like, play punk rock. Let's listen to Misfits records. And these guys were all like 10 years, 15 years older than us. But they like took us under their wing. And, oh, yeah. Uh, they were like anarcho punks, you know, like these guys were like pretty intense. And so that 2002, 2003, uh, and your band included, we basically took all of that and we were like, cool, this is all popular. So it must suck. And if it's not the misfits, <laughs> if it's not the misfits or no effects, you can go to hell. Right. And I, I just remember being like, I had, I never heard taking back Sunday in my life. But I was like, I hate the name. I hate the kids who like it. Therefore, I hate this band. I don't know what they sound like. And then, you know, fast forward years later, I hear that record louder now. And I'm like, this is amazing. Who is this? And then someone's like, yo, this is uh, Taking Back. And I was like, oh, wow. So, you know, there was a certain point years later where I was like, I should like revisit this stuff that I missed. And like, you know, we toured with you guys. Yeah. And I was like, oh, man, like this is great. You know, like this is awesome. And it's, it's cool because Anto who played in the Swellers, he was around for all those bands. Um, what's, what's really great too, is like hearing your voice live, especially the screaming stuff. I remember just being like, why is this so reminiscent? It reminds me of something like, this is really like, I've heard this. And what I realized it was every band that we played with, locally anywhere (laughs) that was trying to be you (laughs) and i know that sounds weird but like i was like whoa this is the guy like this is the one this is where that (laughs) came from and you know that it's like the like you know there was all those kids who tried to sound like tom DeLonge for a while right Um, sure like every band you played with it was like why are you singing like that and then yeah like the certain the screaming thing uh you have a certain what do you call it a dialect or something there's a certain way (laughs) that you do it and you know jumping ahead here my new band wounded touch yes you sang some background or not background but guest a guest vocal spot on that new ep i did yes And, and when i was mixing it i got that same feeling of just like oh man like this is shane from silverstein and he's on our record like it's so identifiable like where I was just like, this is so cool. Like sometimes you hear like, oh, so-and-so did a guest spot and it just sounds like another dude screaming. So I was like really proud to have you on that, man. So, Oh, well, thank you. I was, yeah. I was really happy to do it. And I, from what I've heard of the wo- wounded touch, it's just wounded touch, not the wounded touch. Yeah, just wounded, wounded touch. touch. We're, we're, we're trying to go back to 2001 and keep it as 2001 as possible. I love it. I love it. No, <laughs> yeah. the, the stuff I've heard so far sounds incredible and very heavy oh thanks man yeah i was uh you know every everybody always says like we're starting a hardcore band do you want in and then nothing ever happens yeah like i've been asked to be in like 96 hardcore bands (laughs) and then finally this one they were like we're coming over we're gonna jam you said you wanted to be in it right and i was like oh this is a thing this is happening and they had all these songs and i was like well cool let's record it so i made the record and uh yeah, dude. I don't know exactly when this podcast is coming out, but I kind very of got, soon, like like got, immediately. Yeah, so I got like half permission from our new label that we could announce that we're signing to Smart Punk Records. Okay, well like, there it is. It's out there now. Yeah, 
Yeah. And and like I said, it was like half permission, but I'm also <laughs> past the point of like caring about like announcements and stuff. Like, right. man, it's just like, I just want to make music. I just want to play. So like, if this comes out too early, well, now you know. It's coming and out too early because it's coming out right away. So Great. there you go. Smart yeah, Punk Records. The... That's, that's awesome, man. That's yeah, awesome. They, they seem to be doing some cool stuff. They're signing a lot of cool bands. They actually signed my brother's band Baggage, which yeah. is really cool. Uh, so yeah, it's... Um, it's it's weird for me to be in a in a hardcore band because that's like not yes. really my wheelhouse, but I get to play bass and I love it. Totally, I, I have and, uh, I have so yeah. many questions about that. The, I mean, the oh, first sure. the first is like this kind of stems right from the conversation we just had about you being an elitist punk rocker. Um, oh my god! When yeah. you were ten years old, I guess. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that and, is that's really funny to hear out loud, but it's so true. <laughs> you know, but but so at some point, I guess you've discovered you know hardcore music or metal you know um or at least you know very metal influenced hardcore because that's what wounded touch seems to be so far um so how did that kind of happen because there must have been some point like for for me i was you know growing up i loved like metallica and slayer and stuff even before i found punk rock so i always had that sort of innate um like metal kind of in me like rage that was about to explode but you know it wasn't until I found a band like because you know I kind of went the same direction as you where I was like okay it's punk or nothing but then I found like like at the gates excuse me I'm dying then I found then I found at the gates and that was a band that was like I felt could bridge the gap between like punk and metal and then I was like, oh, shit, there's this whole world out there of aggressive music that doesn't have to be like James Hetfield, you know? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for me, I remember I didn't really like anything screamy for a long time. Oh, yeah, okay. Uh, except, you know, I liked Slayer kind of on like a like a novelty setting. You know, yeah. it's like kind of like, oh, this is sweet to listen to. Like, I wouldn't call myself like a diehard Slayer fan, but I was like, this is fun. It's aggressive. It's cool. You know, of course, like loved Metallica. Uh, I love like a lot of like kind of like the 90s uh, metal and alternative and grunge stuff. Uh, and then I remember hearing Glassjaw. Oh, yeah. And just being like, OK, I don't like this immediately off the bat because he's yelling. And then it kind of went into a melodic part where Daryl was singing. And then I was like, whoa, whoa, what's going on? There's like this contrast happening. And then it went back to the screaming. And then I was like, you know what? I actually really like what just happened. So like Glassjaw actually opened me up to like that kind of world. And uh, also like Finch, the, they came out, you know, around yeah. the, the time I was listening to that kind of stuff. Uh, so as far as aggressive music i actually got started with kind of like the to me like the newer stuff uh and then i kind of went backward from there uh, so <laughs> right for me right. hard hardcore for me has always i've always preferred like the hardcore punk side of things um i was always more west coast than east coast as right. far as you know that kind of thing and then you know years later i uh i dabbled you know i got into things like h2o and agnostic front uh but yeah, it was always like the there's that difference between the the kick drum patterns, you know, like the double kick. That's West Coast. Yep. And that's that's the East Coast. So I was always kind of like in one world. So when I got asked to be in a hardcore band, I was like, okay, 
I'm not super familiar with the influences, but I know what I like. <laughs> I know how to play it. And if I hear these songs as demos, I can hear the big picture. Right. Um, and it was kind of cool. Like being in this band, I actually went back and I listened to a bunch of bands that I kind of dabbled with, like Converge, for example. Yeah. So I was like, oh, yeah, like I actually really did, did dig this. And um, in the last, I don't know, five or ten years, you know, I'll be honest, I'm not really an avid music listener. Uh, and I think it might have to do with either touring nonstop or recording records nonstop. Yeah. But when I have my downtime, which now I really don't have any, <laughs> uh, you know, I'll throw on a podcast or like sit in silence. Uh, so people are like, oh, dude, did you hear the new Get Up Kids record? And I'm like, dude, okay, that's one of my favorite bands. And if these Get Up Kid fans are telling me that it's a really good Get Up Kids record, like I really need to listen to it. And I'm just like, I just haven't found the time yet. So I, that's one thing that I'm kind of promising myself I'm going to do is like really sit down and like listen and enjoy music again. Because I haven't even really written a song song in like a year. Like it's just, and it's, I wouldn't call it a dry spell because I've been so involved right. in other people's music. Other creativity, uh, sure. Yeah. So I feel like that I don't have like a void that I need filled, but it's just in a different way that I'm not used to, but yeah, maybe when I start mowing my lawn, it takes me about an hour and a half. So maybe I'll oh, no. start listening to a couple records. Yeah, <laughs> that's a big lawn. Yeah, I, I thought I had oh, a big man. lawn. An hour and a half yeah. is pretty serious. You need yeah, a ride on lawnmower. Yeah, I got a two. It's like two and a half acres. Um, I live pretty much in a cornfield. I have three acres of cornfield and two acres of grass. Oh my goodness! Um, it's pretty massive. I live way out in the country on a dirt road. And uh, I got one of those zero turn mowers, like the kind you sit on, like a go kart, and you have like handles you push forward and back, so you can like spin in a three sixty. Okay. Uh, yeah. So it's That's like fun. it's like your riding mower, but like a spaceship at the same time. And it's weird that you know that's something I'm excited about now. <laughs> I, I used to be like, oh, check out this guitar, check out this video game. When it's like, <laughs> dude, I got a zero turn mower, and I couldn't be happier. Well, luckily where we live, you only have to cut the grass like for four months a year, really, maybe five. Yes. And then the rest of yep. it, it's like just, just whatever. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> and with all the rain lately, it's like you can't even find time to cut the grass. So dude, we're flooded like Ugh. crazy right now. They closed, uh, like I live like a quarter mile from the highway, uh, just like a little two lane highway. They closed it cause it's just, there's water over it right now. And, um, I actually posted to my Instagram story today, like me driving through a puddle that i didn't know how deep it was but luckily i i survived but Ooh. it was it was brutal man like it's actually like flood warning out here right now and the the farmers can't even plant their crops this year like it's past the point oh, of the insurance no. covering it yeah so like basically the insurance adjusters are coming out to survey all the the damage and the flooding and they're just going to be like cool better luck next year i guess that's which is crazy hasn't happened in over like 30 years i sound like such a freaking hillbilly right now it's great but talking that's, about that's what, talking about farming and planting yeah you do you definitely do. Like, but at least they got all the chemicals for next year don't have to worry <laughs> about that um on a more serious note though you where you live um do you have the water problems like flint has with uh, uh no um the flint water crisis it really only affected a small area but there are a lot of people, you know, in that area. Right. Like even so it's, one it's, family, it would be a big issue, you know. 
um it's definitely not about quantity but like yeah, yeah the actual the surface area it's like i want i think it might be only two zip codes right um and they happen to be in kind of like the uh less well-off areas um but yeah it's it, it's pretty wild like yeah i i i I haven't like distanced myself from it, but you know, since I don't live there, I don't hear people talking about it all the time. But from what I hear is we have all these kind of wannabe journalists from other states just hanging out downtown looking for a scoop. And for one, you know, the water crisis is not affecting downtown Flint. And downtown Flint's actually pretty gorgeous. Like they're doing a great job. They're opening up a lot of businesses and a good place to hang out. But yeah, the the people who need it, you know, the yeah, it, it seems like we're getting closer and closer to some kind of a resolution. But I you hope know, so. People are people are still paying for, or they're forced to pay for water that they can't use, um, which just blows my mind. You know, the people who caused this to happen pretty deliberately. You know, they're not being held accountable like they should be. But we're getting closer. I heard news of it's going to be we're, people are going to be able to sue. Uh, I think it was, I don't know who it is directly, but it might be like, you know, somebody in the government. I don't think it's the governor himself, but uh, yeah, there's, they're actually opening up ways for people to kind of have the advantage for a second. So I'm hoping to see something good happen there. Damn. Huh? Yeah. That's the, you know, it's crazy. I've never been to Flint ever. Right. Isn't yeah. that weird? I, we've never played there. I don't even know if I've driven through it. Maybe I think I've driven through it, but I've never actually been to Flint downtown or anything, which I think is crazy because there can't be very many cities, you know, bigger than Flint that I haven't been to in America. Right. Well, yeah, it seems like your band probably could have played the machine shop. So if you haven't, yeah, that's kind of, yeah, that's kind of strange. Uh, it's, it's, it's a, I think, I think you guys might be, you know, playing a little bit bigger rooms, um, but it seems like a good, like, you know, like a, a B city. Oh yeah. Well, we, um, we'd be all about it. I mean, especially Michigan's been so, you know, given Silverstein so much love, like, you know, how much radio play we get on 89 X and like all that. I think it would make so much sense to play in Flint. It's just really weird. It's never happened. Well, dude, yeah, we can get yeah. a wounded touch Silverstein show going. Let's do it, man. And we could uh, invite Margot Robbie out. And, okay uh, yes yes silverstein yeah, she's a big silverstein fan yeah yes. way into silverstein yeah. I actually I, I, that movie suicide squad was on tv uh when i was like hanging out at um, my wife's parents house and i saw her and just whenever i see her now i just think of silverstein i just think i'm like <laughs> oh man she likes my buddy shane that's so cool but <laughs> but yeah uh you guys should definitely come out to Flint. We can we could probably get something okay. going, man. Like, I, dude, Wounded Touch hasn't even played Flint yet. Like, yeah. and most of our members are from there. Uh, well, actually, maybe just one. I can't keep track, but uh, yeah, I live about thirty minutes west of Flint right now. Okay. Like, I mean, it's like way out there, but uh, Flint's like my nearest sure uh, big city that I would call home. Sure. So. So okay, yeah. so back to the back to Wounded Touch. I always want to say the Wounded Touch. I don't know why. And I think it's because we'll there's that it. there's that venue in Ferndale called the Loving Touch. Yeah. So that's yeah, what that's I'm right. thinking in my head. Um, great venue, by the yeah. way. Oh, I love that place. But with Wounded Touch, you are first of all, you're not singing in a band. Which no. have you ever not sang in a band? No, just um, filling in for people. Like right. I did a couple tours with a Wilhelm scream. 
and that was i played bass for them once and i did backup vocals which is like my dream job like playing bass and doing like, background vocals like, Bri, oh, like you did bry robin you were bry robinson oh no this was pre bry <laughs> okay. robinson i was like are you that yeah. big a ripper on the bass like no what? i was i was on tour with wilhelm when their bassist at the time left uh, and okay. trevor was actually telling me he's like you know who would be sick to get in this band bry from the full blast and i was like yeah that'd be cool and then like a month later the full blast broke up and i just got a phone call like within hours from trevor being like deaner guess what and i'm like bry robinson's gonna play in wilhelm and he was like oh. he's like how did you know i'm like dude i i just i put it together and i was like that couldn't be a better fit this is gonna be awesome yeah Jeez. yeah so that was uh that yeah, was 13 pretty years cool. later still still in the band yeah Crazy. and then i I, I, I played i played guitar before mike subpoena joined officially yeah in wilhelm when brian was in the band so yeah getting to play alongside brian robinson was just like man this is cool you know like Very i've cool. been listening to full blast like a long long time and listening to Wilhelm a long, long time. So getting to put that all together is pretty cool. Did you ever hear the band I was in with Bry, Jerk Circus? Dude, yeah. Uh, Anto <laughs> used to play it all the time in the oh, band. Oh, no way. <laughs> oh, dude, no joke. That's funny. We, we used to have just straight up like Canadian Wikipedia day <laughs> on the iPod. Like he would be like, all right, check out this band. They're from Hamilton. Check out this band. They're from uh, Kitchener. Check out this band. You know, and we just went down the list. Oh, so man. That, yeah, we, what was that? What was that? Um, that funny rap group. Oh, oh uh, Simcoe Street Mob. Yeah, we listened to a lot of Simcoe. Oh yeah, Street I got Mob, I had a dude. I had a full on diss track. Really? Yeah. Oh, I, I was I I got dissed by first and last name. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Dude, I what, had a diss what, track. Was it in? Was it out of love or not? Uh not really. It was more out of like um, uh, a beef with with about a girl. Uh, oh, or a couple man. girl, a couple girls. I was literally in high school when this happened too. <laughs> literally in high school. So oh, dude, see that's okay, man. It's, that's it fine. was yes, it was funny. Um, I was it, gonna it say, was man, I'm funny. gonna have to, I'm gonna have to go fight those guys. Like, they, don't, <laughs> they don't mess with my friend like that. I don't know what happened to the, all those guys. I mean, man. Yeah, I mean, see, some of them see, were in, this, some of them went happens. on to be in like Boys Night Out and like you know all kinds oh, of bands. No. Like there was actually things they they did some things, but I don't know. I haven't seen those guys in years. But oh, that's wow. crazy. What a throwback. Damn, dude. Yeah, dude. I, I got, dude, I even know all the Canadian like commercials and jingles from stuff just because Anto would just sing everything from TV all the time. <laughs> uh, like little like PSAs and just, yeah, I, I got, I got a hefty dose of Canada, man. Oh, it was there's, great. There's some good jingles, man. It's like, oh, yeah. Alarm Force, uh, uh, Hakeem Optical. That's a good one. Oh, See, I don't even know if I know these ones. Oh, I'm going oh, to I'm oh, gonna have to call up Anto and be like, we got some more to talk about, man. Well, what, what ones do you know? The one that came, comes to mind right now is Carpet Land. Carpet Land. <laughs> yes, yes, that is a good the, one. I don't know why. Then there was all these like songs about like, don't put it in your mouth, like for like little kids, like basically, and like how to know which pills are good to take and which pills are bad like he had all these things and <laughs> and i seriously will wake up sometimes singing like a little melody i'm like what is that and i'm like this is from a commercial in canada that i've never seen <laughs> but i just know it like the back of my hand from hearing it so many times i love it oh man that is 
That is funny. Um, I love the the tangents, but I but I do want to finish this this conversation <laughs> we've been trying to have for fifteen minutes. Um, oh sure. But but yeah, so you're playing you're playing bass, and you're not singing in this band. It's it, like to me as a guy that's always been like a singer, and I've played some guitar too in bands. This seems like kind of the dream. You can just literally beat the shit out of the bass, kind of like do whatever, and just have a blast. Is it just amazing? Just not worrying about. You know, singing, hearing yourself, whatever. Yeah, it's uh, it's a little awkward because I really like to hide behind a mic stand. Okay. Because it's like I don't know what to do with my arms or my legs <laughs> or like my face. And I don't know where to like walk around on the stage. So I'm kind of trying to figure it out. Um, so yeah, not having a mic stand is a little weird. Right. Uh, and then I don't know. I, I don't want to try to like play like mock tough guy uh, but the music is really tough so I basically told myself I'm like what I'm going to do is kind of headbang as hard as I can and play the bass as hard as I can like I don't know any moves like you know some guys have like their cool big stomps and like they whip around their guitar like I don't know any of that and I'm awkward and lanky I don't want to try so I'm like I'm going to punch my bass a la like Doyle from the Misfits. Okay, yeah. So we're playing that Bloodfest, like the final Bloodfest in Michigan, uh, you know, a month ago or so. And we're the first band on one of the stages. And I'm like, here we go, man. I just need to just bash the hell out of my bass and have a good time because we only have five songs and we're going to do it. Dude, within 10 seconds, my hand was just gushing blood. Oh, yeah. And it was like smeared all over the bass and then I look over and our singer's knees are both busted open. Like they're just both bleeding. I think he dropped to his knees and yelled and got back up. And that was that. Um, he's also known for smashing his head in with a mic. But he was kind of like, he's kind of like the sound guy actually was like, I'm giving him a specific mic. I know this guy. I know oh. what he does. Uh, his name's Nick Holland. He played in a band called And Hell Followed With. And like he used to just like destroy his face. But this time, you know, he was probably like, you know what? No, I'm just going to focus on the music. Like, we're just going to play a good show. I don't need to be smashing it. And dude, he's just bleeding instantly. <laughs> uh, one of our guitar players looked over at me and, and like the second song. And he's just like, kind of gave me like this look like, what do you got on your face? And I was like, you know what? I think I got hit in the face by something. But whatever. I'm just going to keep playing. I, I was I was a little bit dizzy. I yeah. was a little bit like disoriented. And I don't know what happened, but yeah, at the end of the set, I looked in the mirror and people were like, what'd you do? And I just had a, like a gash across my face and blood on my neck. And I, dude, I wasn't trying to be a hardcore guy. I was not trying to be tough. <laughs> I was just covered in blood and our singer was covered in blood and the drum set fell apart and we broke a guitar string and like we went off stage and we were kind of like that rattled old men group being like, oh, I hope we did good. Like, oh, everything hurts. But then people were coming up to us and just being like, that was the most like intense thing I've seen in a long time. There we were you like, go. We we're like, oh, good. At least it looked cool. Like, But yeah, so getting to be in a band like that, it's, you know, I, ha I hate using that term. Like, it's a good outlet for my aggression. But like, man, it really was. It was great. Like, I, cool. I didn't have to focus on much except for just you know making the loudest music possible just hurting yourself could. yeah it's funny yeah. i saw a picture of you playing bass and i saw something on your face and i thought maybe you were doing like the um 
like Nikki Six Mick Mars thing, like baseball player <laughs> thing, where you had like the right. the black under your eyes, like you were like trying to be a cool guy. Yeah, that's um, exactly like where the blood was. And I remember like, yeah, our singer Nick, he is an EMT. You know, he's a uh, paramedic for like the Detroit Fire Department. Well, that's good. He can and, take care of you guys when you fuck yeah. yourselves up. He was like checking me out being like, so what happened here? And he's like, well, that just looks like dried blood. But I'm just like, man, I don't know. <laughs> so I got, I just got to be more careful. But yeah, dude, it's, wow. it's so much fun. And we're going to start playing a lot more, hopefully. Cool, cool. Playing some fests here and there. So we just we're just looking for a couple you know hookups anybody who wants to help out a band that's you know not full time but trying to do cool things here and there and yeah less is it. more for us i think yeah. i love it man i just realized we've barely talked about the swellers um oh who and <laughs> who? well well you know that's what people <laughs> that's why people know you and i i mean with you guys kind of disappearing a few years ago and um you know yeah pretty quickly you know, relatively after putting out what four or five albums, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, I guess like, I, and I don't want to like gloss over you know your career of thirteen years in just a few minutes, but I, I have a couple specific you know thoughts and questions that I wanted to get your take. And and you know my my take now talking to you is like, you guys started out as this this real punk band, um, and you wanted to do. You know, that sort of underground punk music, you weren't really interested in, you know, the mainstream side of things, but then you found yourselves on kind of the most mainstream punk label out there in Fueled by Ramen. Right, right. At least it turned into that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we just, uh, you know, we started off kind of playing our favorite kind of music, playing our kind of fast, you know, you could call it skate punk, I guess, and then as we kept making records, we were just kind of like, you know what? Like we love kind of like these big melodic alternative sounding bands too, like get up kids and Jimmy Eat world and, uh, Weezer stuff like yeah. that. And we we're like, you know, we, we, we can't be afraid to play like these big choruses and these big chords and, uh, do this kind of thing. And every record kind of evolved a little bit. And I remember we did like three demos and I sent them off to Johnny at fueled by ramen and he actually went to high school with my cousin who got me into punk rock. Oh, wow. Weird. And I reached out to Johnny back when he had a label called Little League Recordings, or LLR, um, back when I was 15. And I sent him our like mp3.com page like, hey, man, like <laughs> we want to be signed. And he's like, that, that's cool, man. Like Keep it up. Keep making music. And then, yeah, flash forward, like, I think it was like six or seven years, I sent him another email, and he was working for Fueled by Ramen, and I was just like, hey, man, it's uh, Sal's cousin Nick, uh, still got that band, The Swellers, three demos, looking for a home for the next record, thanks, here's our tour history. And our tour history was like 9,600 pages by then. You know, it was like right. four straight years of touring, just boom, 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 boom. And I had it all every show. And, you know, obviously I think that helped because he was like, whoa, like you're doing the thing. And yep. then the songs, those three demos I sent, like they sounded great. They almost sounded as good as like the final record did because it was by the same guy, Mark Mahalik. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they kind of, well, you know, they didn't drag us along, but they were kind of taking their time. We got a manager and then there was a, couple other labels that popped up and we kind of did the whole all right so who wants us kind of thing right and yeah we kind of had to do the pros and cons it was like 
do we want to sign to a label and be kind of lost in the mix, but potentially stick to like our punk roots a little bit more? Or do we want to sign to like the kind of weird but really big label like Fueled by Ramen? So who are the labels, if you don't mind me asking? I'm sure you can talk uh, about it now. Yeah, yeah. We were talking to Epitaph and oh, yeah. that was, you know, I don't want to say it was one of the biggest regrets of my life not signing to Epitaph, but it was, it's like the biggest like what if, like the biggest right. like alternate dimension, like what would have happened? Because, uh, you know, like talking on the phone to Brett Gerwitz <laughs> and he was mentioning like a chorus we wrote. I was just kind of like, this is like some insane stuff. Like even saying it now, I haven't thought about it in so long. It's like yeah. I kind of blocked it out because it was, it's somewhat painful to be like, oh man, what could have been? But it's also really exciting. <laughs> uh, but you know, he, he mentioned you're going to be one of the bands, one of the many great punk bands that we signed this year. And we were like, that's cool. And then we turned around and we talked to John Janik at uh, yeah. Fuel by Ramen. And we were like, so how many bands are you signing this year? And he's like, oh, no, you're the only one. So I think right. that was what made us go, wow. Like this powerhouse big label is only signing us all year. That is going to be really great. Um, and also like Haley from Paramore <laughs> yeah. really loved our band. And I think they thought that Paramore could take us under their wing and we released our records actually on the same day and we went on tour together. Yeah. Uh, which was a really great uh, start to that album cycle. And sure. We can't thank those guys enough. Like that was amazing. And uh, yeah, it was just kind of like a, it was one of those things where it's like, man, maybe it'd be punk if we signed to this like teeny bopper label. <laughs> and uh, they were great and we loved everybody there. Uh, it just got to the point where we were like, the second record came out, which was actually bigger than the first that we did with them, had like a way bigger single. And uh, they just kind of weren't putting the energy into it that they were for the first one, even though we were doing better. Like right. the record was going to come out and they said, oh, you don't need a tour for when it comes out. It's fine. We'll just find a tour later. And I was like, whoa, that seems to be like the number one thing we had to do last time was make sure we had a tour locked in for the release. That's the strangest thing I've ever heard a label say, you know? Like yeah, every label got, wants their band on tour or like 365 if possible. I know. So we were a little bit like, wait a second, shouldn't we wait and put this thing out when we have something lined up? And they're right. like, no, no. They're like we could even move it up. Like let's move it up a few weeks. And we're just like, whoa, okay. Uh and we, things ended up working out okay. We didn't do as many big tours, but we did a lot of our own kind of stuff too. Yep. Um, went overseas a ton more. So that was really cool. Um, and then, you know, at one point, someone from the label emailed us and they're like, all right, guys, we're going to come up with a big plan for next year. And we were like, oh, finally, here we go. Like, right. It's time for the talk. We're going to talk about the upstream to the big label. We're going to talk about more tours. We're going to talk about, you know, whatever. And it ended up basically just being a, a social media tutorial. Like, this is how you can engage with your fans. Like, maybe <laughs> don't talk about poop as much. And we were like, what the <laughs> hell is going on? Like, no joke, that's verbatim, like something that was said. Um, and we were kind of like, we we're in, you know, when you send an email to a band like that, that's been on tour for 11 months, and we're, we're, we're putting so much work in and so much passion that and that's when we were like okay let's ask if we can get off the label and we did and they granted us permission to get off um you know we had to pay them 
whatever, like the merch debt, and then we were good. Okay. Uh, That's cool. So that was that was a really kind of nice freeing thing, I guess. Uh, it kind of could have, it, it might have been the, the beginning of the end, but I think a lot of our like diehard fans really respected that decision, which is really great of them. And uh, we continued to tour for like another three or four years, and things never got worse. Right. Uh, maybe not three or four. Maybe just a couple more years. Like yeah, three, two or three years. But yeah, things just kind of kept being good. And then we decided, you know what? I can only see things getting worse from here. Like this was such a great tour. If if things started to fall off from this point, I'd be really sad. Let's let's call this the final chapter. And well, that's yeah, very mature. That it's, it. it's very mature to to be able to do that, especially something that's kind of your life's work. You know, right? To, yeah. To kind of see, like I had, you know, just last week I had Ryan from Yellow Card on, you know, and he right, yeah. he talks about how he was just terrified of of you know Yellow Card playing his playing their last show and him not knowing what he's going to do. Um, oh yeah. So to have the foresight to to plan, okay, this is probably not going to get better. So let's. That's a pretty that's a pretty heavy thing to do. Um, yeah, and it was an easier decision to make when we were just so tired. Like right. we didn't ever let each other know it, but we were all kind of at the same time. Like, oh my god, I can't believe how many hours we spend in this van on stage, <laughs> tour after tour. I mean, you know how it is, you know. Uh, and at that point, especially being a band that we just made enough money to pay our rent and then live in that house for a little bit and then get back on the road so for us to sustain being in a band and to have a house we needed to just stay gone and stay being a band and it was kind of like oh man well when does that cycle end it was kind (laughs) of like one of those existential moments of like oh boy like there is no escape actually right (laughs) right so we figured we'd make a celebration out of it instead of like fizzle away. You know, yeah. some people were like, why'd you say you broke up instead of a hiatus? And I was like, dude, cause I think we're done. Like, I think this yeah. is it. Like, this is actually it. Like, I honestly can say, I don't know if we will ever like play again. You know, it's, well, it's been five years or whatever it's been four years, going to be five years since our last like Detroit show coming up soon. Yeah. And yeah, it's just. Well, it's interesting, though, because you have a relationship with your brother, like forever. He's your brother and you guys are close. So it's easy enough, like, you know, you guys being the two kind of main guys in the band, um, you know, being in the band the whole time, you know, the two only original members, it kind of wouldn't be too hard to kind of, you know, get it back together and do a show or two. You know, or or right. have a cool opportunity, like whether it's you know a cool European festival, or going back to Australia, or going to Japan, or you know, a lot of times that's kind of when these things kind of you know get kickstarted again. When it's like, you know what, I do miss it, and you know what, yeah, I'll take like we'll take like a huge offer to play a random show, you know, and that's usually yeah. I think how these things kind of come back, and you know, but but at the same time. If you're done, you're done, and I have tons of respect for that um, because so yeah, many bands, uh, they so many bands come back, and it's like, you know, they either just do a couple cash ins, or then they put out a couple like, half baked attempt, uh, half baked attempts at like you know some new music, and it's never as good, right. and then it yeah. just fizzles away, and then that's it, you know. Yeah, we'd rather leave, you know, if 
if we have like a legacy, kind of leave it where it is. Yeah. But at the same time, uh, it's hard to say just because, I mean, Jono is in a full time band again, you know, signed to a label doing the thing. And, you know, there was rumors of us playing that Blood Fest or reuniting for Riot Fest. You know, I got texts about Riot Fest because they actually use like a 10 or five second clip of an interview with me on the like Riot Fest promo video that they released before they released the lineup. Oh, and why? I had a, I, I really don't know. And I, I think may, I, they could have just thought I was some sweaty fan, if we're being <laughs> honest. Like, they well, could, what, they, what they, was they, it though? What, like, it, it was me saying something about like the flatliners and less than Jake or something. And like, it's all in one place and blah, blah, blah. It was basically immediately after we played riot fest, like, I don't know, 2008, maybe if I'm, if my memory serves me correctly. And it was the first bit of interview footage in the promo video. And then it went to like a guy from less than Jake. Then it went to a guy from like some other band and like live footage from other bands. So I just got all these people texting me being like, I know you probably can't talk about you playing right, Fest, but is that what it means? And I was like, I have no idea what you're even talking about. And uh, so, yeah, it was it was kind of cool to see uh, like a handful of people get excited about that. Sure, uh, even sure. though Riot Fest probably, uh, dude, if they knew that that was me and they knew that people were gonna get excited and like they were gonna troll people, like that was a genius move on their part. But <laughs> I, I, don't I don't think that they knew what they were doing at the time, and that's. <laughs> That's totally fine. That's like the story of our lives, you know. It's I like, know, I know. Um, but yeah, just being so busy uh, right now, it's it's crazy. Like I can't, I, I don't even see like an opening to where like that would make sense. Right. Uh, but yeah, you know, I, I definitely don't ever want to say never. Uh, I like playing guitar a lot and it'd be cool if my son could watch me play, you know, to people. That would be a lot of fun. Like maybe when he's a little old enough, older to you can understand like what's happening. How old is your son now? Uh, he's going to be two pretty soon at the end of summer. Yeah, wow. Cool. Yeah, cool. He, he's the coolest man. Like I spent pretty much all last year doing the stay-at-home dad thing along with the studio. Uh, and this year, because the studio has really kind of taken off and I've been super busy, uh, he's been doing the daycare babysitter thing, which kind of breaks my heart, but he's learning so much and having so much fun and I'm kind of able to kind of have a a work life and feel like i'm really contributing to my family and society and things so that's always nice yeah man awesome awesome so yeah so i guess that's all that's coming up you got you got wounded touch smart punk records it's that this is the half announce we're allowed to half announce it that's exciting um and you got studio you just finished the much the same record we can talk about that right oh yeah man um much the same they're you know melodic skate punk band that kind of came up around the mid 2000s and they took the swellers under their wing when we kind of started leaving the state for the first time and yeah they went away for a long time and this is their first full length they've made in 13 years wow and they decided to come to me to record it which is kind of mind-blowing you know to they, totally. they did their last record with cameron webb yeah who's like you know big time la guy made a ton of great records yeah, so he made three. Like, hey, he made three three Silverstein records, so I know him very wow. well. Wow! Oh, yeah. that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. So like to know that I'm doing a follow up to something he did, I'm like, oh boy, you know, like that's sure. it was a lot of pressure. But and they had a crazy deadline. You know, we had to get the mixes done and out to the pressing plant so they can have 
uh, records for their tour coming up in Europe. And it was like a really massive undertaking. And, you know, their drummer lives in California, so he recorded out there. Oh, wow. Uh, their b- bass player, Frankie, came a couple weeks after the rest of the band came to finish up bass. Right. And, and then it was just like boom, 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 boom. And it was out there. So Frankie's that was my a, guy, man. Frankie's oh, my dude, guy. Yeah. We met, we Love met much guys. the same on like one of our very first tours, like, you know, like a tour when it was just like us jumping on whatever random shows, like our yes, first yep. U.S. tour ever in 2003. And we played a show with them in St. Louis and I kind of came up to them. I came up to Frankie and I was like, I was like, oh man, you guys are like awesome. Like I, you know, I love like all this, you know, I love all the fat records, like epitaph shit. And he's like, he's yeah. like, oh man, we were just talking about you guys. He's like, you guys are like what for modern to ash. From Honor to Ashes wants to be. <laughs> I remember you said that to me. And Dude, then he, that's amazing. And then we traded remember mer- that. And we traded merch and I still have the shirt. Yeah. Wow. I still yeah, have the much crazy, the same man. shirt. Yeah. That's awesome. I'll have to tell them that so, you said, hey. Yeah, tell that's, Frankie that's I said, great. hey. I, I remember I, I saw I, t- I talked to him a lot that night and I remember I ran into him years later again somewhere. And uh, and yeah, I always, I always really liked their band. I thought they were super like super under the radar, like for just how good a band they are. Like they never kind of got to that next like big level. You know what I mean? And I like right, never knew yeah. why it's like, you know? Yeah. And you know, uh, this new record, you know, even though I worked on it quite a bit, like I can say, I think it's their best stuff. Like it's, it's almost like they had time to hibernate and really think about what they wanted to do. Yeah. And then they did it and cool. they're all like better musicians and better players and, yeah, super super cool record to get to work on. Did you use the Evertune guitar? Oh man, yeah. So I yeah, Chris, I ordered Chris, one. Their singer has uh, two of them. Oh, cool. And so, he was the one who like introduced me. He was like, "We got to use these," and then I you know I fell in love right away. They're amazing. So I I, I just ordered one, and I literally Ooh, nice. it's literally in Detroit right now, like at my mailbox. Um, oh, nice. So dude. I'm going to I'm going to get it like right now when I get off the phone with you. Oh, which model? So is I got it? I got a uh, a Jericho. Do you know this company? Oh, yeah, is it like the Telly looking one? Like yeah, the exactly, guy? exactly. It's that's yeah. the one. It's the walnut, the walnut Telly, and it's like oh. it's only like a thousand bucks, which yeah, for a, a, a guitar made of walnut with Seymour Duncan pickups and an Evertune seems like great, right? So yeah, I, I've been I've been eyeing those quite a bit. Yeah. What's cool is they have a slightly longer scale than yes. like a normal Fender style guitar, which yeah. I thought was very interesting, but it probably plays like a million bucks. Yeah, so. I hope so. Cause I, I'm typically like, I do play Fenders too, but I have a lot of Gibsons and I record yeah. usually with like Les Paul or an SG. But so nice. I'm wondering if like recording with this longer scale, if it's going to like be weird or if it's probably just like in five minutes, I'll be used to it. I'm not well, really sure. Yeah, one thing that one thing that I found with like the tuning is, I thought if you record with a Evertune guitar, like rhythms, then you would need to record leads with a Evertune because like the intonation and blah blah blah, and then vice versa. If you record guitar with a regular guitar and then you go ahead and uh, play leads with a Evertune, it might be weird. Like one might be too perfect and it'll throw it all off. Right. But I found that I didn't have any issues. Like. It, I, I blended them to I, I just recorded a band called lights over bridgeport for the past uh nine days they're from chicago as well and we used an evertune guitar on like all of the leads dude 
octave chords. Oh yeah, you're gonna just be blown away, oh. like it, going up to like the fourteenth fret I and know. It's still in tune. Dude, by the, the way, this is not an endorsement for EverTune. <laughs> they have not emailed me back. No, um, I got, I got it. Yeah, I'm, man. <laughs> maybe we should get an EverTune. Maybe they want to sponsor the podcast. Um, Dude, if they sponsor the podcast, if you could like send me like even like a saddle, that'd be awesome. Just, <laughs> I just yeah. want to say that I'm part of it. Yeah, because I, I love I love the product so far. Dude, the amount yeah. of octave runs like I've played personally played on Silverstein records, and like when you have to literally stay on one note, tuning one octave chord, punching it in, then okay, what's the next one? All right, twelfth fret. All right, let's tune this one. Okay, fifteenth yep. oh. fret to fourteenth fret. Oh, but the fourteenth fret one's a little bit out when you drop it. So oh, yeah. we're just going to punch literally one note and like <laughs> all of a sudden a 30 second, not even 20 second octave part is taking half a day to record. Yeah. Just and to it, make it, it sound in tune. The, dude, it sucks all the creativity and like oh, the excitement out. Like oh, you're just like, okay, we'll get this. But like, yeah, dude, one take, we were going all up and down the neck doing octaves and like those little... You know those little like two finger chords like the bouncing souls kind of things like those yeah, little yeah, leads sure, sure those things never want to be in tune either if you go from major nah. to minor it's like got to retune that because of the tempered scale of the instrument blah 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 but yeah with with that ever tuned guitar it was just like oh it's so pleasant it just right. works like let's move on we got the tone we got it we're good right so, especially when you're yeah. a bit of a hack like me um and like you're <laughs> like i play a, like a kind of a difficult chord and i'm sort of bending the string a little bit you know, right, oh, yeah. and it doesn't matter. It's just perfect. Like whatever I do, it doesn't matter how hard I hit it or yeah, it's, it's like these guitars blew my mind and like I needed one. I needed dude, one. Oh, yeah, so man. I'm getting I'm so it today. Glad that you got one. Yeah. That's so yeah. exciting, dude. It is. I'm, <laughs> like, I'm stoked. I'm stoked. It's such a new beast. It's it's such a cool thing. Absolutely, man. Cool. Well, dude, um, I don't want to take a few more of your time. I know you got wife and child and band yeah i got to record and i i have five minutes and then i go pick up little dude from daycare all right so man. I'm, well, I'm good to go all the way to that perfect dude well because um, i don't even know if i'm gonna make it because like literally the streets are flooded like uh, I, i'm a little bit nervous but you know i'm just gonna close my eyes and go really fast and hope i make it <laughs> oh god well be careful man oh thank you well thank you so much man anything else to to tell the people man uh you know, I just hope that people check out records that I've made. Uh, you know, if there might be like the hashtag Wonder Studios, it's O N E D E R, like the number like the one, O-Neater. number yeah, one, like, yeah, like the O'Neaters. Uh, so, if you hear about any bands like Hot Mulligan or Greet Death, Forest Green, Lights Over Bridgeport, much the same, uh, Wounded Touch. There, there, there's a lot I've, I've been really busy lately it's been really great um so yeah just check out anything if you see me on social media like at nick deaner i post about the bands i record all the time cool. so i don't want any more work i'm busy it, <laughs> it's making me mad so just listen to the bands that i record and that'll make me happy enjoy that stuff there and, you go uh, yeah uh, what about um, before i let you go what about the apology tour that was a really cool record that you did Oh, thanks, man, dude! I like, was a big fan of that. It really, I love the make, power pop, like Weezer, Reggie and the Full Effect kind of thing you did. It was. Is there oh, anything going on with that, dude? I'm so glad you liked it, man. Uh, right now, basically, Wounded Touch has like taken over right. that sort of part of my life. But I just, I'm still in love with that record, like baritone guitar, some synth, and 
oh yeah I, I i was just it was one of those things i had to make post swellers i was like i got this sound i need to get out i got these songs you know put out a 10 song record yeah pressed it to vinyl which was just like cool didn't think that it would ever get that far uh but yeah if anybody wants to check out the apology tour god damn i still love that band name like oh it's so of the time wanna, that the music I wanna is like yeah i want to like send it to like i want to like sell the band name to like a, a big band because it's like so good but <laughs> sell the I band to another band right just yeah, like i was in a band called the swellers the worst band name of all time and then i was in the apology tour that like barely anyone listened to but it was a way better name so maybe i'll just do like a switcheroo one day swellers <laughs> will come back as the apology tour and everybody will just think it's a tour it'll be really confusing and yeah it'll happen I mean, I don't think it's a horrible idea. I think it's good. I think it's a great idea. Do it. Dude, I, I've thought about that. I've thought about renaming the Swellers because I'm just like, man, if I do it again, I don't want it to be called that anymore. Like, I want to call it something like Badass, but I don't know. I'll never think of another band name again. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> well, Nick, thanks so much for taking the time in and um, all the best. Dude, thanks so much for having me on here. I appreciate you. And we'll have to hang out in Flint soon, man. Yeah, man. I hope to see you soon. Awesome. Take care, brother. So there it is with Nick. Thank you so much, Nick, for taking the time out of your very busy schedule with recording bands, with having child, uh, everything else you're doing to speak with me. And uh, yeah, he's got a really cool band, which go check out Wounded Touch. They have a little teaser clip online and i know that they're going to be launching a whole bunch of stuff soon you heard it here first smart punk records has signed the band that's a very cool label as well so yeah um keep your ear to the ground one or both for wounded touch and everything they're doing that's right i even contribute some guest vocals to their song so uh yeah i'm, I'm excited about it um but of course the swellers has i mean i know it's been a few years They've gone away. I feel like there is still a lot of hype and a lot of people still really care about this band. And I feel like part of it is you miss them so much more when they're gone. And everyone counted on the Swellers for, oh yeah, they tour so much. They're going to be on this tour. I'm going to get to see them. And now we don't get to see them anymore. And it's very sad. And I'm not sure if they'll ever come back. But hey, it is what it is. Next week... We have a very, very good episode. Yeah, I recorded this one already. We got Daryl from Glassjaw on the program, who actually was talked about in this episode. So, uh, well, at least Glassjaw was. So, very cool stuff. Make sure, whatever you're listening to this on, you hit the subscribe button. Just right there. There you go. Click. And, uh, yeah, you will be. it will be coming at you next week. Daryl from Glassjaw in all his glory. What a great dude. What a great dude and what an amazing singer. So that's exciting news for the show. But as always, I will leave you with the tune and uh, gotta go with this one. It's a Swellers classic. The best I ever had on Lead Singer Syndrome. Peace and love. We'll see you next week. It was a young and angry summer A song that changed my mind I heard it all
else heard this It wouldn't be so sad It was the best I ever had